0: Hello and thank you for tuning into Dream Slam, an all-women's wrestling podcast. My name is Psycho Sawyer, and I'll be your host tonight. We have a handful of news pieces to cover, a breakdown from Raw SmackDown, the NXT Takeover UK, TNA, and the first Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling show of the year. They have released a more recent one, but I very much wanted to cover this one. As for the time being, it is Hyper Misao's last match. The explanation given is that she has to go do superhero business, and I'm really excited for her return, and hope she does good things in her time off. First piece of news is Ivalice, uh declared that she's being held hostage in her contract, but from Lucha Underground. She had requested her release and told that she would be granted it if she recorded season four, but currently is... Just being trapped in this contract with no knowledge of future seasons coming up. Joey Ryan also backed her up on the contracts being kind of strange. We have seen other people who were big in that company moving on to other places like Impact, so I don't know what the specific issue is to her contract, or if we're going to see more people come out of the woodwork and talk about this as well. Utami Hayahashita, who primarily wrestles for stardom, is now holding four titles after she won the Eve International Championship off of Viper. Viper is rumored to be going to WWE in the future as she has recently dropped all of her independent titles. Utami also holds the Goddess of Stardom t- tag title, Future of Stardom tag title and the SWA title which can only be challenged which you can only be challenged for by somebody not from your own country which is a really interesting work. If you go through and look, if you find the lineage of that title, it does like really clearly bounce between like um, Americans and Japanese people and British people. Victoria, also known as Tara in TNA, has announced that she will be retiring at the end of the year. She did debut in 2000, so she's had a pretty long run. She held the women's title more than, more than once, I believe, when she worked for WWE and has been working the independents for the last couple of years. I feel like because she announced it at the end of the year, she's, maybe she's still an option to come back like for the Women's Royal Rumble, but we're just going to have to wait and find out for that. Coming up for Raw, the tag team titles were revealed this week in a kind of strange segment with Alexa Bliss. I feel like the weird spot with her getting her like with her getting her change room door opened doesn't need to be covered it was weird i don't i don't see the benefit of it if it's a thing she wanted to do that's on her but it i feel like it was very unnecessary So for Raw this week, we had a tag match between Ronda Rousey teaming with Sasha Banks versus Tamina and Nia Jax. Jax refused Banks for the lockup. Banks ends up hitting the ropes and opening with a handstand, Hurricanrana, which is a newer move we've been seeing her do. Banks had some nice new offense throughout the match. Jax denies her an arm drag and ends up in a rear naked choke. She tries to drop Banks out of it, but Banks gets it back in. Banks tags Rousey after a running knee. uh, After Rousey gets the tag, she hits like a run-up-the-body shining wizard. It was a really cool move. She's another wrestler. She's bringing a lot of new offense in. Rousey ends up working with Tamina. She gets a bunch of offense in. Ronda goes for a step-up triangle. Um, Tamina powders. The heels refuse to get back in the ring. During the break, Tamina, like there's a blind tag, and Tamina nails Banks with a huge kick. J- uh, Jax get Banks into a bear hug, this, which goes over um, after she tries to go for the handstand, her or Karana second time. Jax gives her a huge power bomb. Sasha Banks ends up in a like a shoulder submission hold for a weirdly long time. Like it was enough for her to get the crowd behind her, but I wish I had put a timer on it. Like it, Banks tries to go, for, uh, breaks out of the hold and tries to go for a tag. Tamina cuts Rousey off. Tamina takes Banks back to the corner, but Jax isn't like Jax isn't there. Banks rolls through a side Russian into the bank statement, which is, a new, which is a new point of entry for her on that, and she taps out to Mina. It was odd to see that Rousey spent like very little time in ring during the match. They did work well enough as a team, um, and they did a they did an in ring promo afterwards, where like Rousey is initially putting Banks over really big, but she also like. I don't know if it was her, like, speaking clumsily or what it was supposed to be. But she also says that she feels like it would be an accomplishment to beat Sasha Banks, and that's why she wants to take her on. Um, And we got to see more of the NXT attitude from Sasha Banks. Like, she's very confident. Banks responds pretty insultedly. Rousey tries to make it up to her, but this keeps making it worse. Yeah, like, Banks declares that like she like rousey doesn't have a chance against her goes to head up the ramp like with rousey chasing her which is a lot for this segment like if banks ends up being the person that finally takes out rousey like before mania before her one year like they are really setting up for that i i don't want to do like too much spectating or armchair booking but I feel like they're really pushing for Banks to currently be her biggest opponent. Which is, like, same thing with the spot last week. It's a really nice little push for Banks. Because she's she's been in the background for a while. After this segment, it cuts to backstage. The Boss and Hug Connection are still arguing with Natalia and Rousey. Natalia and Bailey are trying to defend their friends... Um, they end up sending them sending them away. The riot squad comes in and makes fun of them for not being able to keep their shit together and get along. Pretty much, uh, they do offer Natalia and Bailey a match as long as they can find a third person for it. They use this as a spot to have Nikki Cross debut, and I'm really glad they picked Nikki for this match, uh, opposed to Lacey Evans. We did see backstage in a really, like, cute cutaway spot. Like, I appreciate that you're seeing more people interacting backstage right now, especially when they're bringing in so many new people. Like, it feels a little more organic. Uh, Bailey and Sarah Logan do start this three-on-three tag match, but they uh, automatically bring Nikki Cross in. Nikki Cross was really the, the focus of this match. Like she's very unorthodox, she has a very like different loose style, which I really enjoy watching. Like it's it's not perfect. It's not like amazing technical work or high flying. But it's very honest. She she seems like she's always enjoying herself. After after Nikki has been in for a bit, there is a spot where like all three of the riot squad are on the outside. Bailey and Natalia hit two baseball slides to separate them. And Nikki pulls Ruby Riot into the apron, which is another spot she used to do very often in NXT. A bit after this spot, Bailey gets taken over by Logan and ends up taking more of the heat. Uh, Bailey does manage to hit a crossbody, but with no pin. Logan hits a cartwheel knee drop in this match on Bailey as well, which is a move we saw Meiko Satomura using in the Mae Young Classic. Um Sarah Logan's been using that move for quite a while. Like I I remember seeing her move, use that move when she was scare, uh crazy Mary Dobson. Uh, Morgan actually was active in this match for a bit as well, uh working through the heat on Bailey. I feel like she's definitely she's definitely more a concealed member of the group. Like she's there for bullshit and shenanigans, but she also does know how to do her job. She's probably better at Better at taking damage than probably anybody else I've seen, and that's a really important job. Like, it's easy to call back to, like, that one time Eva Marie got knocked off the apron and, like, very delicately hopped down. Liv Morgan's down to take whatever happens to her, and it actually gives me a lot of hope for what she's going to come up with doing. Like, I've never seen her do anything technically poorly in wrestling. I just actually haven't seen her do that much. I feel like she's also really well-supported working with Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan because both of those people are decently seasoned vets. There's a hot tag to Natalia. Bailey ends up hitting a top rope elbow on Morgan as well during this sequence. Like, there's not, like, not all the tags are happening. Uh, Bailey does hit the elbow on Morgan for the finish. The match was mostly a really good display, how Nikki Cross functions with other people, and also how well the Riot Squad works together. Like, it doesn't really seem like they're missing anything in between them when they're working, which is, it's refreshing to see. Like, they're definitely a cohesive unit. SmackDown came up next in the week. Um, It opens with Becky Lynch, like, coming in in a big damn SUV saying that she'll answer whatever questions she needs to in the ring. Um, If you do keep up with the program, I'm sure a lot of people saw the shot of her drinking the terrible protein smoothie. I feel like the highlight of it actually was Xavier Woods like really subtly popping his sweater open to show that he was wearing one of her shirts. Uh, New Day have been really on her side since before she became the man. It's really great to see women being supported by the men on the roster. It's normally really the other way around. Becky's promo was also really well done. Like she, for a while she wasn't doing them a lot. There was talk on the internet that the higher ups didn't like her accent and things like that. Uh, The thing that I really appreciate is like how much the crowd listens to her. As somebody who's been in that position of talking in the ring to a room of people, it's really hard to get people to shut up and pay attention to you. And, like, you didn't hear anybody, like, starting chants or trying to what through what she's saying. They seem very, like, intent and respectful. Um, She calls out the entire roster for not being enough. Um, And also, like, directly shit-talks Asuka for losing at Mania last year and for kind of falling down the card which I felt like is a, a pretty ballsy move. Asuka does come out and say that Becky is, like, like all fly, no sting. She's all hype. The Iconics come out as well. Um, they say that Asuka and Becky are just classless and bossy, and they declare their intent to both ha- like both win the Royal Rumble and win the tag titles. So Becky decides to make a match with Peyton Royce. Um, she goes for an armbar early. This is this is much more two-sided of a match than the one that Asuka picks up afterwards. Um, Peyton plays a great coward. I remember them being much less like skittish and chicken-like in NXT, but I feel like they're like the amount of like cowardly heel they are is fine. And sometimes I feel like it's very heavy-handed. To the point that why would you come down to the ring and talk tough if this is the level to which you're going to try to escape? Like, I don't I don't necessarily understand the chicken shit heels. I just, like, I, I know what their role is, but I find that they're a weird character. Throughout the entire match, Lynch is also paying a lot of attention to Asuka. Like, she's definitely putting this on for her which could be to her detriment because like, you just gave Asuka a great chance to watch you up-close wrestling for ten minutes, you know? Um, There are two of the weird, awkward wrestlers watching TV cuts to Lacey Evans during this match, um, establishing that she can be on both brands. They do also have Nikki Cross show up backstage and be spooky on SmackDown. Royce actually does get a bit of work in on Becky, though. Royce actually rolls out and goes to Billy Kay, and she ends up taking Lynch out on the outside that way as well. But it ends up not being worth too much light. Lynch fires up; she hits the thez press off the ropes. Uh, considering how much people have been comparing her to Steve Austin, I feel like that's a it's a cute addition. She catches Royce in the disarm her, um, and like she she taps really quickly. I find it weird in, in some submissions to see people hang out and fight back. Like, there's some that you can escape from better than others. And that, like, a seated armbar like that. Like, you're not... You you can escape if you're in certain positions. Majority of people aren't going to get that. Like, you can, you can fight out of a sharpshooter. I've definitely done that. But don't just hang out if you're staying in. So Royce and Billy Kay try to leave, but Asuka steals Kay out, off the ramp, and decides that she wants to have a match with her. But it's it's definitely just a beatdown. Billy Kay doesn't get anything in. Um, she does. Uh, Asuka actually does put Kay in the disarm her and decides it's not good enough. Like she stands up in the Asuka lock and immediately taps out. I enjoyed the setup with these matches better. The tag match on Raw I just found was very unbalanced. Like, you'd think that Rousey not getting tagged in for the major like ninety percent of the the match would be more of an issue, but she just like jumps right into complimenting Sasha Banks immediately. Like, it felt very insecure. And if that's what they're going for, great. But I also feel like it's hard for me to like bite down on the. Dominant, fearless, baddest woman on the planet kind of gimmick If she's just also really cool with not having gotten tagged in It's not like she wasn't reaching for them She just like, she could have fought back so much more The next match we're going to be covering Is the match between Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm For NXT UK's TakeOver event I do know that this was last week I just didn't quite get to it in time then so Tony Storm won the Mae Young Classic and was given a shot at. I remember it not being specified which title. I assumed it would be an NXT one because that's the same thing that happened with Kyrie Sane. So I assume that like because she's more relevant to UK wrestling, that's why they sent Tony Storm to there. Ripley is a newer. She came in with some experience, but I feel like they've definitely retailed her pretty hard at the, uh, the WWE factory, but I enjoy, she's like, she's just, I find her really easy to get behind, despite her being a tool. Mm-hmm. Ripley does try to open with a big boot, uh, but Storm keeps her pretty well under control until Ripley escapes to the outside. Uh, there's a big dive from Tony, but Ripley catches Storm when she tries to get back in and cuts her off with a big kick to the head. Ripley Kate keep, keeps a really good pace during the heat. Um, like she just she's consistent. She's not necessarily fast though. Like she's she seems very well thought out in what she's planning to the point that the way she worked this match, I didn't really expect Tony to get up. Like I didn't think Tony was gonna be able to like trick her into missing anything. Storm does. Get back to her feet through the match, though. Like, she gets in with a big headbutt, actually, which I feel is a spot that we're seeing more and more. Is like nice big headbutts. Um, I, like Drew McIntyre's is sickening. I think it's amazing. Um, Storm follows up with a what well, looks like it's going to be a three amigos. She tries to go for the Storm Zero, but Ripley reverses it into her own finisher, the Riptide. Storm tries again for the Storm Zero, and it gets reversed into a back body drop into a Sunset Flip, so Storm ends up on top of it, but like it's it's cut off from multiple points. Uh, Ripley gets Storm in a really high Cloverleaf, but Storm ends up reversing it into an Ankle Lock. Uh, Ripley finally does manage to land a second Riptide on Storm, but she kicks out. Um, it's not. I feel like it's not a move we've seen a lot of people not stay down from. Storm ends up ducking a third short arm clothesline. Ripley kicks out of the first Storm Zero, but not the second one, uh, and that ends up being a title change with Tony Storm now carrying the NXT UK Women's Title. It was. It wasn't a bad match. I feel like there was something that made it hard to focus on to me. Like, I wonder if it was just, like, they they weren't, like, outwardly engaging. They seemed very, they were very, very focused on each other, which is good in a very combative sense. But in the context of wrestling, like, when people get too wrapped up in just what they're doing, it makes it harder for the crowd to engage. Uh, Like, these are both folks that have done this before. They're, like, in, I've seen them do more engaging work through other things, and it was a really big match, so I feel like there's definitely room for this to happen. It just wasn't really what I expected. The Storm Zero is also a neat move. It's named after a drink that's pretty much like Japanese for loco, uh, but it used to be a pile driver. Uh, the first time we saw it come through the Mayung Classic, it was also a, uh, a shoulder. It looked more like a shoulder breaker, and in its current iteration, it seems like. If I don't see 100% of the move, I always think it's a package pile driver, but it's more of a tiger bomb. I haven't been as caught up with NXT UK, but it does seem like they have some neat stuff on there. And if Viper is somebody who's actually getting moved up to that brand, I'm definitely going to make a point of checking it out. So I feel like I missed a segment on TNA, um, because I'm now seeing some stuff about Rosemary coming back the second time. Um, what I did catch was Tessa had a very aggressive one-sided match against Callie, like it, I find it hard to pick out any specific spots to talk about them because they just, she just beat her up. She goes for a buzzsaw DDT near the end of the match and instead turns it into an EAT defeat. Definitely going and like pointing out through the cameras and really trying to make an example with this. I've also since seen a video that Tessa Blanchard assaulted Gail Kim backstage and is currently suspended. I feel like this is still implying that they might be bringing Gail Kim back. Like, it would be weird to continually be edging her into this and just not have her included in any kind of long-run thing. So the last thing we're going to cover tonight is the Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling show from January As I stated when I brought this up earlier, um, there is a more recent one which I will probably cover. But I had wanted to cover this show in specific because it has Hyper Misawa's last match for a bit. So this company is not hard to track down to find stuff to watch. Um, Their YouTube channel updates pretty well. It's through DDT uh, Wrestling. So they also have, like, three other companies under their belt. Um, most, More likely, most people might know that this is the company that Kota Ibushi wrestled a blow-up doll, uh, who is an active member of their roster. There's silly matches, there's more hard-hitting matches. It gives you a really good variety, I find. Um, they also have a streaming program. Their bronze membership is free but you, can't, you don't have full access to their back catalog. Like, they'll send you a video and you have X many days to watch it, or and then you can't watch it after that. But I believe, like, their silver plan is, like, $9. So it's really not that much, especially if we're looking at other wrestling streaming services. So there were two matches, I believe, on this card I didn't cover because I kept getting people mixed up. And I, like, I kept going back and, like, trying to make sure I had everybody correct. But, like, there was a four-on-four tag match, which update, like, redebuted debuted Up Up girls who enter, like, as an idol group. Their gear used to be very matchy-matchy. And they all have four, they all have different, like, names and personalities now. Um, so, on one hand, like, the match was neat, but there was also, like, I didn't, I didn't want to do anybody wrong. By confusing them with somebody else. So those are definitely matches like I can go back and cover more thoroughly. I just I don't want to do a bad job. The first match that we'll be covering for this is the Triple Threat match. It's a Queen of the USA match between Veda Squat, Yuna Manais, Man- 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 nice and Hyper Misao. So to win the Queen of the USA match The winner has to get the Stars and Stripes hat from one of the turnbuckles and dance until the ref is satisfied with it. Um, So this is definitely one of the more silly matches on the card. I don't feel like it's explicitly any worse than like a four corners match or like an item on a pole match. Um, The entire point is to beat down your opponent enough that you can do a dance it's not really any different than you have to beat down your opponent so much you can grab their flag. The DDT also does matches with stipulations like this often. Um, there was one, I think it was actually Hyper Missile versus Jun Kasai. The stipulation was that they had to eat an entire bag of cookies to win the match. I, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with it. I would like that they're willing to have fun, really. So the match actually begins with Misao requesting the match from Veda Scott and Yuna being added to it. It starts surprisingly serious though, like with everything I've given you, it's a a frantic, kind of a a bit of a messy match, but it also opens with all three participants trying to get the hat. Misao threatens Scott's cat mask and uses it to take, like eliminate Scott from the match for a bit. After a couple of quick hat exchanges, uh, Veda sets up a top rope clothesline to Misao that also hits Yuna with a DDT. Two more hats come into play. All three people have hats now. Also, all three of them have tried to put one hat on the referee to make the referee dance, and he refused to take part. Three hats now. Um, the girls are kind of battling for spots in the ring so they'd be better seen. And they're all, like, trying to accomplish the goal of the match. Uh, Hyper Misao ends up put, applying a double schoolboy, which, like, the technique was actually really nice. She ducks a kick from Yuna and takes out Veda Scott. After some back and forth between Yuna and Missau, Scott ends up hitting a spear on Yuna and a back suplex on Misau to get enough time to dance. I'm sure this match sounds ridiculous. And it is. And also, everybody looked like they enjoyed what they did. Like, you don't have to, like, not to say that you can't be stoic or serious, but I I feel like you can see the passion and the enjoyment in most of the workers for this company, and it's really refreshing. Um, so the next match on the card. Is the Barketsu sisters of Nodoka Tenma and Yuji Aino versus Millie McKenzie and Natsumi Maki? Um, Mac- Millie McKenzie is the one that won the Sendai Girls Championship last, uh, last month. Uh, McKenzie and Nodoka start the match with a really strong lockup and a really, like, true technical match um like so much more than we're used to seeing commonly like this is like a very old school start to a match which was really cool also this match had some of the strongest looking headlocks i've seen like they exchange they exchange a bunch of technical moves it's very nice to like it's very crisp to watch yuji and natsumi get tagged in uh natsumi seems less experienced like She's she's very like happy and excited, but also definitely seems a little out of out of water here. Um, and she gets manhandled by Yuji for the first part of the match, um, for the first part after her tag. Mackenzie gets tagged in after a drop kick in the corner, and she gets right back into the headlocks and in her ground game. Natsumi gets tagged back in with a hairbeal and a bot- like, and goes right into a hairbeal. And a body scissors including a modified surfboard. Over the course of the match I found that Natsumi actually really like she knew so much more than it looked like she knew when she first locked up. Mackenzie gets tagged back in. Yuji finally gets in a body slam and tags Nakoda. McKenzie and Nakoda have a very nice like they're just a very nice pair of opponents. I'd happily watch them. After a failed pin, Natsumi gets tagged it gets tagged and comes back in with six drop kicks in a row. And then a really nice, like, rolling neck breaker. Yuji gets tagged back in and we finally start seeing some double team action. There's a Yeah, the first double team move we actually see is Nakoda running up her partner's back and hitting a crossbody on Millie McKenzie. Mackenzie. There's a bit more work after the double team, um, but Millie manages to cut off an attempt at a doomsday device, but Yuji stays on top of Natsumi. Nakota cuts off Nats- Natsumi on the ropes and takes a spear from Millie and a really high German suplex, Yuji and Natsumi are still legal. Yuji gets back under control until Natsumi reverses a straight jacket hold into a Northern Lights for the uh, finish of the match. The pre existing tag team, like the Barketsu sisters, are like they definitely seem more unified. Um, they also seem more like on par with skill. And I think that might have actually been why they just seemed more collected. The next match we have is Mako Satomura versus Reika Saki. Satomura was in the Mayan Classic this year. Her role in a lot of the companies she works in is as a mentor, but also kind of as a final boss, similar to Mercedes Martinez in the States. She had a match against Maki Ito, who we'll be talking about later on, last year that was a lesson in respecting your elders. Mako leads the match immediately. Like there's there's a big era of fear from Reika, right away. Like she she wanted the match, and Satomura was happy to give it to her, but she might have bitten off more than she can chew. Reika struggles against every hold that Mako puts her in, until she finally manages to reverse a headlock into a head scissors, but she quickly gets brought back down. The overall pace of this match is very much like Satomura will be in control and in control and in control, and Reiko will manage to get in, like, a burst of action, but it's not, like, is too smart. You can find cracks in her, like, in her offense, but she's gonna, like, it's too easy for her to take you back down. She's finally, she ends up catching... Satamora after a few more like power exchanges with kicks and forearms but gets pecked back down again like she's even in put Rekha putting 100% behind her striking it feels like Satomura is like tolerating her and letting her get her work in because she knows she's trying but she, did, like, she doesn't have to put any work into into taking control back there's a really nice rope sequence that sees Reika get up on Satomura again. Um, and she actually does stay in control for a bit. Um, a really, a really cool thing about Reika is that she's very, very athletic. And she is normally the more powerful person in a match. It's, it's a little bit odd feeling to see her be more outclassed the way she is. Uh, Satomura managed to slide in a deep armbar and just nails Reka down to the mat. Like, it seems like she can't breathe or get away from the hold at all. She does make it to the outside to try to catch her breath, but gets caught and put right back in by Mako, by Mako, uh, who goes right back to work on the arm. Like, it, it seems like Reika's not even moving her arm. She's just trying to defend herself at this point. Satomura lands a pump handle slam and a springboard uh, corkscrew splash onto the apron. Like, Rika's just, like, finding little bits of fire. Like, she's still fighting back, but it's just getting, like, it gets a little less far every time she does. She manages to land a huge clothesline and tries to go up to the top rope for another move, but gets cut off. Reika does get uh, Satomura in a torture rack, but it gets reversed into a sleeper. Satomura goes for a splash, but ends up, like, taking Reika's knees instead. Um, Rika like, makes it back to the well. Uh, she gets in a missile drop kick and two shiny wizards, but, like, doesn't go for the pin right away. She tries to go for a suplex, but it gets turned into an armbar, an axe kick, and then a Death Valley Driver... For, for the win. Um, I feel like th- this match is a great example of how to use veteran talent. Like, on one hand, Satomura did go over, but also now we have proof that uh, Reika can hang at that level. Like, she can work to that. Next is the Tokyo Princess tag title between Yuka Sakazuki tagging with Mizuki versus Shoko, Nagajima, and Riho. The champs, like, offer a handshake, like, cute-ass baby face open, and actually jump right into action, um, like, whipping like with whips into the corners, a bunch of striking, and it actually ends up in tandem dives to the outside. Shoko and Riho do get to capitalize on the, like, rough landing they took, though, and start working over Mizuki. Mizuki ends up going for a ride after a body slam and takes a splash while in a bow and arrow hold. Shoko works Mizuki's head until they like there ends up being a rope break, but keeps her arms and works her into a like a tarantula choke over the ropes. After a whip into the corner, Mizuki lands a standing victory roll and tags in Yuka Sakazuki. Who goes right to work on Shoko with a series of suplexes? Riho gets back in after a bulldog into a turnbuckle. He takes a tag on that, and opens with a flag splash, frog splash. Riho and Yuka have a really even back and forth. Like they, they, they seem very familiar with each other. Like they every they have answers for everything each other tries to do. Mizuki tags in and goes. It goes in on Riho catching her in a crossface. face. Riho reverses it into a like a more like a higher crossface, pretty much a bank statement. Mizuki catches Riho off the ropes with a body scissors pin, but gets it reversed into another pin. Mizuki ducks Riho's clothesline into a back backstabber. Both girls tag out, getting Shoko and Sakazuki back in. There's a there's a big pause. Um, when they get to encounter each other, uh, they both are, they're both trying to get offense in on each other, but no, neither of them can land anything, including a, like they both go for drop kicks off the ropes and miss each other. Shoko goes for a standing rana and gets blocked, like just gets caught in the air. Yuka turns it into a DDT. Riho and Mizuki roll back into the ring, and Mizuki and Yuka hit a double splash off the top rope, which almost gets a three count. Like, that could have been a very beautiful finish to this match, but they just they weren't ready for that yet. Yuka gets a deep arm var in via a leg drop on Shoko, who does make it to the ropes and counters... Um, Yuka going up to the top rope into a Frankensteiner, which I feel was the most successful top rope thing I've seen at this point. Riho runs in and hits Yuka with a head scissors. Shoko dives on Riho on the outside. Shoko and Riho end up getting into a double suplex on Sakazuki, but the tag gets broken up. Riho, O'Connor rolls Sakazuki. To hit a neckbreaker, it looked more like a uh, like an on the ground uh, blockbuster. And it ends up hitting a Northern Lights as well. Mizuki and Riho end up rolling through the ring again, but they're not legal. Like they've been mostly fighting on the outside and rolling in once in a while. Shoko gets a Rings of Saturn type hold on Yuka, but it's not enough. Mizuki hits Shoko with a fall-away slam, while Yuka hits Riho with a really cool slam. I don't know what it was. It looked like uh, like an inverted blue thunder bomb. Like I don't. I genuinely don't know what it is. Um, Yuka gets to hit the magical girl splash uh, to take that match home. It was a really high energy match. That like I definitely there was enough going on. I definitely didn't get everything I was trying to. But, like, despite it being, like, really high energy and full of, like, flashy, cool moves, it consistently felt like a struggle. The last match on the card is Maki Ito versus Miyu Yamashita for the... I just have Tokyo Princess title written down, and I know that's what they said the tag titles were, but I think that might be... Like their core line of titles. Um, so, Maki Ito is super intense and is also a little shit. Um, Yamashita is very much a foil to that. Like, she's very serious, and like her entire promo was her talking about how hard she's trained, and that's why she's best. Um, Ito goes gets the crowd behind her right away. But still gets taken over by Yamashita with a bunch of strong kicks. They had a very clear difference in styles, like Yamashita was a very like kick heavy striker. Uh, Maki Ito actually uses a lot of headbutts. Ito takes out Miu after a series of body slam and a body scissors as well. Ito goes for a whip off the ropes, but Miu evades and ends up kicking Ito clean in the head. Mew is, like, she's not moving super urgently. Like, it's it's the Randy Orton kind of vibe where, like, she's going to hit her moves on you. and But they're all strong enough that, like, she doesn't need to lay everything in really rapid fire. Like, she's taking you down efficiently. She easily takes control of Ito, who gets really frustrated really quickly. Um... Yamashita has as much skill as Maki Ito has aggression, which is also a really nice work into each other. Um, Ito blocks a whip attempt and takes a series of kicks as well as an eat defeat to get Yamashita back up. She counters, Yamashita counters any escape that Ito is trying to make until eventually Ito gets a like scoop slam in on her. Uh, gives Ito a room to land a series of headbutts and to sing in a sleeper. I like the hold gets broken Ito goes for a, a shoulder block like in the corner But Yamashita catches her in a front face lock and just like Traps her isolates her dumps her on her face Goes for a pin. Ito kicks out and uses the kick out Yamashita uses the kick out to grab an armbar. Ito tries to get back into the fight after a series of forearms, but Yamashita seems unfazed by them. However, the two headbutts that she lands do take. Rather than going for a pin after the headbutts, which, like, I sh- I feel so sure that Ito would've won the match if she would've gone for it. Uh, she goes for a Boston Crab. Um, Ito also uses a lot of uh, Texas Clover Leaves. Like, she's good at keeping her opponents down on her level. After the hold gets broken, Ito goes to the top rope, but Yamashito cuts her off. Ito hits a diving headbutt, but Yamashito kicks out at two. Ito goes for a sleeper, but receives an F5 for this, and like an- another series of strong kicks. Yamashita yeah, tries to hit a kick off the ropes, but gets trapped and he gets uh, caught with a DDT. Um, she does counter another headbutt with a kick and a running knee for the finish. The bulk of the striking in this match was really divided clearly into either kicks or headbutts, which was really neat to see. Like yet another really distinct, separate style. There, there's a lot of very like individual workers in this company like you can tell who works together and who knows each other but there isn't a the very really clear here's our standardized style if you're looking for something different to watch I really feel like this company offers some cool stuff the quality of all the matches was pretty high like there was some similar spots but that's like that I feel like that's increasingly common um, the crowd was super into the show As well, like they were really audible the whole time. Uh, I also never felt like I could call how any of the matches were going to go. So I'd like to give a shout out to Dead by Con, which is happening February 16th and 17th. They're sponsors of Monster Pro Wrestling, and they are Edmonton's first horror movie festival. I will definitely be there the whole weekend. Um, If you check out their website, deadbycon.ca... You'll be able to find more information about tickets and guests. And I'd like to give a shout-out to the Buckingham on White Ave as well. I'll be hosting Wrestling Trivia there on January 27th for the Royal Rumble. Um, I'll have tickets for the next MPW show, which is on February 2nd, uh, when I'm at the Buckingham as well. You can also find me on Twitter at DreamSlamAWWP, or on Facebook with the same name. Uh, I've been Psycho Sawyer. I'm gonna try to cover Rise for the next show, because they believe they had their 12th show. And Shimmer 56 was this weekend as well. So I'm gonna see what all I can get, find for those to cover. And we will see you next time.